0: Welcome to ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, and I'm here with Paul Schreiner uh, and Jack Ballantyne. Uh, Jack is our special reporter who, who keeps us and gives us updates on what's going on in the city and the city council and things like that. Uh, before we go, I want to remind people that you are listening to WVLPLP. Uh, on 103.1 FM it also streams live at at um, wvlp.org you and you so you can get us basically any place in in the world okay we also need to remind people that uh, this program airs live on Monday January the 20th and then again on uh, on um, and that's at noon on January 20th which is which is right now for people who are listening to it. Uh, on Monday, anyway, uh, and then again on Tuesday, January twenty-first at five, and again on Sunday, January twenty-sixth at five, and then again on the following Tuesday, which would be
1: January twenty-eighth at five p.m. And and, you can get the show, and we have an award for anybody that listens to all those repeats. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> you want to give them what the reward is? No, that was okay. a surprise. Um, okay, uh,
0: anyway, uh, I. I need a little background here to remind people we haven't been on the air for about almost a month because we took a sort of a uh, holiday hiatus and uh, abc stands for agenda for a better community Uh, over a year ago a group of people got together and said, hey, you know what, Valparaiso's done very, very well over the last several years, but there are some things uh, that need to be done. There are some things and people who have essentially uh, been left behind. And out of those discussions, there was created a document called ABC, which is Agenda for a Better Community, that talks about seven different issues related to things that we think uh, are important in this particular city. And you can get that uh, document at ABC abcvalpo.org. You can download it, or you can call the studio here, uh, 476-9000, and we'll see that somehow you get a particular copy. I should also point out that one of the things that we did in this program to start out is we decided to talk about issues, and we interviewed 13 of the 19 candidates running for office this past fall. Uh, We played those on the air uh, time after time after time. We also held a forum at Trinity Lutheran Church where all the Democratic candidates showed up. And again, those interviews were played time and time and time and time again. Uh, uh, we figured at one time maybe about 80 hours <laughs> over the air, all these interviews and uh, commentaries by the candidates. But now that the election's over, we're going we're f- focusing on issues. And central to those issues are having Jack Ballantyne coming here again as our reporter from um, uh, From this particular program and giving us an update of what happened at the most recent meetings You want to add something to that Paul?
1: Well, that was the first City Council meeting for the new administration so there are a bunch of new faces there and Frankly, I'm I'm real interested in Jack's impressions As well as the facts of the meeting. So I think we ought to jump right into it Jack mm-hmm okay thanks guys
2: Uh, appreciate it Uh, first of all i'd like to give a shout out to the children's choir voices of today went to one of their performances this past weekend in honor of martin luther king day Uh, their kids i'm guessing between the ages of 10 and 14 and they gave a moving performance that conveyed love hope and an undamaged sense of humanity it was very uplifting uh, yeah, I,
0: I found myself uh, very emotional during some of the music that they did. I, I was really, really impressed.
1: I believe the oldest of the singers is a freshman in high school, yeah. and he was the tallest of the one. He yeah. has a very nice voice. Yes, uh, I was. I, I had I had heard this choir several times before, and these are young kids, mm-hmm. and so you don't have real real high expectations as to the quality of the performance necessarily. But I was blown away by the creativity and the emotion that they were able to convey. Yeah. So, this is an ongoing project, uh, and it, it's worth attending if you if you yes. if you know about it. It's a very worthwhile yeah. project. Yes, uh, and, and again, just
2: seeing, that kids, one... just seeing the kids just uh, seeing the kids participating gives uh, a lot of hope to our future. Yeah,
0: and again, that one the one uh, young man who sang the solo who just unbelievable in terms of the voice that he had and the, and the the difficulty of the song he had to sing as well it was just you
1: know, that was yeah. an operatic piece it yeah, i know like yes and it says something about people who have gifts mm-hmm. and kid's yeah. 14 years old yeah and uh, i could i could be 100 years older than i am and with the gift i have never achieve what he achieved at age 14. Yeah. it was so, really and amazing and that's
2: from a man that knows music A little bit. The other thing I'd like to say is uh, today obviously uh, is uh, a federal holiday, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Today our nation takes time to honor and remember Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, born January 15, 1929. The way I look at it is with President's Day in February, which focuses mainly on George Washington and Abraham Lincoln who were born in February, uh, coupled with this day commemorating the birth of Martin Luther King, we kind of bookmark the story of us as a nation as we aspire yet struggle to achieve the noble experiment set forth in our Declaration of Independence. And I'm going to get a little bit wonky here. Uh, I'm going to read the pieces of that declaration real quick, just so we all kind of remember where we started. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands, Then it proceeds to say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and among them is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's something we need to reflect upon at this time. The things that we struggle with are, I kind of emphasize them, the one people, all men, and inalienable rights. This uh, has been our struggle, and when you look at this day, uh, it started with George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Martin Luther King, and all those men had flaws, but what they did have is they aspired to make us better, and that's uh, something that I think we should take this day and reflect upon and maybe hear those words in in more uh, discreet terms as far as how we want this nation
1: to uh, move forward. Uh, the Jack, other, yes. before you move off of Martin Luke, Luther King Day, I want to make an announcement. Is that okay? Yeah. Today at Valparaiso University at 5 o'clock. In that's the, Monday, that, January 20th. That, yeah, that's if you're listening live on yeah. Monday. There will be a two-person play given, no charge, in the Student Union Ballroom. That's on the second floor of the Student Union. And the play depicts the last night of Martin Luther King's life. So one character is Martin Luther King, and the other character is Larry. Do you remember what her role was? Was she a uh, sort
0: of a narrator? I I saw it. That was she was. I don't I don't think she had any.
1: I think she was an employee of of the. Uh, of the hotel where King was staying. Okay, that could have been, yeah. But I saw her as a narrator. She kind of was a narrator. So Larry and I saw a smidgen of it at the... And so did Jack. And so did Jack at the the children's choir. I heard a review of it from somebody this morning who went to yesterday's performance who said it was absolutely amazing. So I'm just encouraging people, 5 o'clock on Monday, that's t- that's today, uh, at the Student Union uh, five, uh, 5 o'clock yeah. second floor ballroom to attend. Jack? I, again, I
0: think, uh, too, it should be pointed out that it's kind of late now, but all MLK activities in the universe are open to the public. That's right. And so at 2 o'clock this afternoon there's um, Amani, I can't think of her last name, um, Amani Perry, I think her name is, a well-known um scholar uh, is going to speak so that's the that's the that's, b- the, that's big, con-
2: con- the big main complication complication too, of the big
1: complication yeah.
2: okay uh, just continuing a little bit along uh, the lines of inspiration uh, two programs that i uh, and karen my wife uh, we watch religiously are sunday today and cbs sunday morning these are news magazines basically that have stories about people, common people mostly, that do great things uh, and it's very inspiring. And I, I bring it up today because this week they emphasized uh, two people. In a life well lived on Sunday today, they highlighted J. Charles Jones uh, who led the second Woolworth sit-in after hearing of the first sit-in in Greensboro He led the second one. He was a student uh, at a a university. He got the student council together. He organized this and led that um, sit-in to change the uh, um, segregation and uh, the civil rights uh, for everyone in America, actually. He was joined by over 200 people the next day at that sit-in from his initial uh, request to organize this. Uh, He led a whole life. He died last month at the age of 82. uh, And he had a stellar life of trying to lead uh, what was right for this country to treat all humanity with respect, equality, and love. uh, When asked what his expectation was of that first uh, sit-in at Woolworths, he was arrested 18 times, by the way, in his life. Uh, When asked what his expectation was, uh, he said, I have no malice, no jealousy, no hatred, no envy. All I want is to come in, place my order, and be served, and to leave a tip. And that struck me, that's all he wanted. And I I go into Uptown Cafe here in Valparaiso nearly every day. I don't even, that's a given. All he wanted, that's a given for me. But what, in addition, I get there is smiles, hellos, laughter, and you feel part of a community. And that is
1: when we have moved in the right direction. Jack, can I add something to that? Sure if you're interested in that history and it is a powerful history and we're talking about the from the initial sit-ins in 59 i believe six this was 1960 the first one was 1960. 1960. through the freedom riders uh there is an excellent account of it in a book entitled the children by david halberstam if you've never read it it uh it takes you inside and these were when, when he calls them the children, uh, they, were, they were all young, young people, mostly of college age, mostly coming from the area around Nashville, Tennessee, where there were a bunch of uh, small colleges. It's a powerful book. You'll never look at the Civil Rights Movement the same after you've stepped in and looked at it uh, in some detail. Mm.
2: And so I just have two other comments on today. Um, First of all, this federal holiday had to be approved by Congress, and it had to go through, uh, I believe it was a six-day filibuster by Senator Jesse Helms uh, against uh, this holiday, and that was in 1983. Uh, so the, the, the pains of our struggle uh, obviously still exist in our, our government at, um, at that time. The last thing... Uh, on my refrigerator, we have a bunch of sayings, and one group of them are, are from Martin Luther King. And I and I love uh, kind of one sentence, two sentence sayings from which you can derive a lot of thought and a lot of inspiration. So I just would like to indulge you and take some time to read six of them. These are from Dr. Luther uh, Martin Luther King's speeches throughout his life. <clears throat> I believe the unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumph. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Almost always, the creative, dedicated minority has made the world a better place. Any religion that professes to be concerned about the souls of men and is not concerned about the slums that damn them the economic conditions that strangle them and the social conditions that cripple them is a spiritually morbid religion awaiting burial. And the last one is, nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. That one rings home for me. This, that is why I try to dig in to every idea that uh, is out there that comes across to try to get the real truth on issues and try to follow up the best I can with trying to uh, communicate it with others and that's part of why I uh, enjoy this job. But I, I reflected upon that one when I graduated from high school, didn't know it at the time, but I was graduating with sincere ignorance. I learned so much in my travels across the United States. We made a point of visiting cultural history museums at every city that we went to. We went to um, um, Fort Sumter, has a great museum out on the the island where the fort is. Uh, We went to Colorado History Museum. Each of these museums express what the people of the time were thinking and it gives you a much better idea of our history and it provides uh kind of a roadmap to go back and look at things uh when i went to the hermitage in uh, tennessee uh andrew jackson's home that was the first time that i heard of the trail of tears i never heard of that in high school or any history class and i was a history buff uh that really concerned me uh, and there's so many other stories out there as you go through these museums that probably aren't taught for me in high school it was winning the Wild West Custer's last stand was uh, one of the you know the last battles from which we turned to the positive and was able were able to uh, capture the the land that we know as the United States today in the West uh, that's the way it was taught and I don't know how it's taught today, but we need some of those other comments about the reality and truth to, uh, come to a higher standard if we, uh, as we continue to, uh, on this journey to be better.
1: Can I interrupt you, Jack? Uh, yes. Sin- Sincere ignorance was the term you used. I want to ask Larry, you, you last were in the classroom three years ago? almost five, four and five. a half. Okay, time flies. Um, you were teaching college students. What is your sense of their st- status with regards to sincere ignorance?
0: Well, I had a unique situation because we had political science majors so they had more interest in these kinds of things and, and sure. uh, political things and I think that um, I think. What we found always, they, they came out of high school completely unequipped to deal with social sciences.
1: No, We're good. What happened? Hold on a second. Okay. Uh, Larry is bionic these days. And okay. He is, hold, he's hold, a- I'm sorry. I had a little technical problem here,
0: basically. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but when I got into more uh, the general population, not majors, yeah, there was a, a lot of... Um, Uh, sincere ignorance basically involved in that so
1: and it doesn't go away it just it gets better if you pursue it but understanding our country's history is a lifelong task Jack I interrupted you okay Uh, yeah okay so uh, we'll get on
2: now with uh, the reporting on the City Council meeting like Paul mentioned Uh, It was the first city council meeting since the seating of the the new council this year 2020 following the election. Uh, So what I thought I'd do is just read some comments that were in the paper first as far as they came from uh, outgoing President, uh, yeah President, outgoing Mayor Costa and incoming Mayor Matt Murphy. Uh, Mayor Costa departed with words of advice he offered during the state of the city address early last year saying the three important facets of a successful administration are the people, the culture, and the vision. The people refer to both the citizens whom he said should continue to be given every opportunity to be heard and to whom the administration should listen, and the administrative team who he said we hire as a result of finding the best people for the job and not because of political patronage. That gets to the heart of what we're trying to do here with uh, my participation is to get the interest of the citizens to communicate their wishes to the city council that we voted in, and it's not that's the end of it. We need to be out there and uh, keep abreast of the issues and try to help them uh, direct Valparaiso uh, as we would like to see it. Um, directed and the other thing as far as the administrative team I think I've said it before I have called several departments and the people that answer the phone could not be nicer Uh, you just get a sense that they really want to help you they are concerned about who you are and uh, they want to take the information and they do get back to you now that's been my experience, and the, the departments that I have directly worked with are the streets department, the uh, solid waste department, uh, the parks department, uh, and the people that answer the phone, uh, public works, they, they couldn't be nicer. So the people that are working for us are doing a, a, a good job for us, I believe. Um, as far as uh, comments from uh, Mayor Matt Murphy said that upcoming goals will include strengthening our neighborhoods which was a, a big topic during the uh, the election campaigns bringing good-paying jobs to the city and improving the quality of life so the city remains a place all want to live. We are here to represent all the community. So those are good words and, and that's kind of where we're starting off the 2020 and, and kind of the vision for uh, the next four years. Okay, The first thing that happened at the city council meeting was the announcement of uh, uh, appointments to two critical jobs in the city. Uh, Bill Oding, the city administrator, is retiring and Stu Summers from the uh, redevelopment committee is retiring. So the name to the position of city uh, minister to replace Bill is Mike Jensen. He's a retired executive vice president of ALDI and currently serves as a Porter County Councilman. Uh, Mr. Jensen is the father of four. Uh, He spent 28 years with ALDI, the last 22 as vice president of the Valparaiso Division, developing the warehouse and distribution center when the city's south border and expanding to more than 70 stores in the area the other appointment uh, by the mayor was to director of the redevelopment commission and that is uh, brandon dickinson uh, brandon's uh, most recently served as business development director for luke family of brands and was formerly the director of economic development for the city of fishers indiana where he assisted in bringing more than $250 million in new investment and more than 3,500 new jobs. So those are two key players as we go into 2020 and beyond uh, as far as the, the city activities. Can I ask a question about that? Is that what, what's
0: the process by which these people were selected? I mean, does the council have any role to play in this at all? Are these just unilateral executive decisions without input from anybody, or? or
2: um, I, I have no knowledge of. It. It's not done at a council meeting, so there's no there. That would tell me there is no vote by the council. Okay. The way this government works, from the words that I hear at the meeting, is that there are what they will call caucuses, where uh, people do get together and there's there's probably some sort of process through the mayor's office where uh, people apply, give their resumes, there's some judgments made, but I believe it's an internal uh, search and appointment uh, eventually by the mayor, but I would assume he, he takes comments and
1: stuff from... Other people, but I don't know
0: who those are. So we're uh, not sure who's included in those caucuses, no. right?
1: There is another interesting variable here. I believe both of the outgoing people were Valparaiso residents before obtaining their positions with the city. And uh, Mike Jensen I, was a Valpo resident, from what I understand, mm-hmm. yeah. but it seems clear that Brandon was not.
2: Probably not being that he was a uh, fisher by Luke's brand. Obviously, he's a local, so he's been here. He, yeah. I don't know how long he's been yeah. here, but, it, I mean, that's a brand that's
1: So, but the, but the issue is still legitimate, and it has been brought up by some that that there's a tension between perhaps shooting for the, quote, <clears throat> best qualified person and also making part of that criteria local mm-hmm. uh, residents, and I don't have a solution for that particularly.
0: Justin was on the county council and uh, actually was president of the county council. He uh, was.
2: uh, For a while. Mm -hmm. Okay, as far as uh, the council meeting itself, uh, all seven members plus the mayor and the clerk treasurer were present. Uh, The city attendance was one of the larger crowds. There were approximately 50 people in attendance at this first meeting. Uh, The new council was seated. um, In District 1 is Diana Reed. District 2 is Robert Cotton. District 3 is Casey Schmidt. District 4 is Jack Papello. District 5 is Peter Anderson. And the two at-large council people are George Douglas and Evan Costas. The city attorney is Patrick Lipp. Patrick Lipp has been kind of the person handling uh, the city uh, attorney work uh, over this past year. This year he's now, it is a position within the city. It's not a contract position. It's actually a uh, city position as far as city attorney.
1: Just for our listeners' sake, can you describe, Jack, without looking at the map that I have in front of me, geographically where those districts are?
2: Uh, Yeah, basically uh, kind of the best of my recollection, you don't want me to look at the map? You, you can, can look, look at this. the map. Oh, that's I'll okay. I'm going to give it to you by A. Hey, I'm going <laughs> to tell you. <let's laughs> prepare for this question, man. It's a, it's a man. quiz, Jack. Yeah, it's a quiz. Yeah. Okay, so District 1 is essentially College Hill, Hilltop area, and an area that spans to the uh, south uh, of Route 30 to the west, right past Washington uh, Street, where Washington Intersection is, Those that area out there it's not uh heritage valley is not in the city but right before that there's other development
1: right there like behind where dunkin donuts is
2: and right. things like that but
1: most of it is bordered by H- highway 30 on the south correct highway 30 and on it goes the south it goes quite a ways west excuse me east yes
2: yeah um yeah basically goes uh route 30 to lincoln way Laporte and then it's it's bordered by uh, Napoleon and has sections going to the Eastport Center actually
1: and some of it is in the Central Neighborhood Association
2: yeah there's a little tag in the central right right, so they split a little bit off of that central neighborhood so district 2 is essentially the central what I would
1: call the central neighborhood area right And, and and that's and that's Bobcott no Yes. District 2 is Bob, Bob Cotton, Cotton. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that's And, and the, District 1 is, is Diane Reed. Right. Okay. So. It's kind of Lincoln Way to
2: Glendale between Roosevelt and Sturdy. It's Evans to Glendale between Washington and Roosevelt. It's Glendale to Valparaiso Street. There's a little piece that, that moves north there uh, along Calumet and that's uh, over there where Country Club uh, Road is in Worthington. Right. Uh, and then District 3 is where Anco is, the Onco um, um, property, uh, and then this would include the uh, Jesse Pfeiffer area, Manchester Meadows, uh, and basically is uh, kind of Campbell Street West.
1: And extends quite far north.
2: Yes, it does go far north, yep. Uh, district 4 is my district, and that's some of the, the developments that uh, span uh, from uh, Glendale to Burlington Beach Road, bordered by Campbell and Calumet, uh, and then includes uh, along Froberg Road, the Windsor Park development, the Harrison East, and along Ransom Road, Lake Meadows, Greenfield Creek, Beauty Creek. And in District 5 is up Calumet north and to the east which would uh, Burlington uh, uh, Val Park Road in Burlington Beach uh, and bordered by Calumet and Route 49 and that would be like Hawthorne uh, and uh, Country Club Estates but but that
1: that. district does extend quite a way south also
2: yes all these have uh, yeah so you can get a map of the district map is on the uh, city website if you just uh, Google Valparaiso City Council It'll come to the website, and then if you go under, it has the map. It has uh, the departments. It has a lot of good
1: information. So Jack Papillo is your city councilman. Mm -hmm. Um, Peter Anderson, who's one of the new city councilmen, is in District 5. That's the one on the far east. Right. We already talked about Bob and Diana. Um, Casey Schmidt has the district to the far west. Right and I think that covers them all. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
0: I'll stop for a second here. mind <clears throat> people, you are listening to ABC at noon. This is um, Larry Boss, Paul Schreiner, and Jack Valentine, And we're talking about issues in the city. Uh, and again, it's WVLP, LP uh, 103.1 on your radio dial. And uh, we're talking about issues in the city. And just uh, now, going to talk a little bit more about the most recent city council meeting, what
2: happened. We already saw some of it, but what what else happened, Jack? Okay, so basically at the first council meeting, they're going to set up the structure (coughs) of the government in a sense, and we mentioned the two appointments they made, and then, of course, the seating of these council members. Then there's a vote by council for president and vice president. Uh, The nomination by the mayor was... um, George Douglas for president, and that was approved 6-0. George did not vote for himself. Uh, 6-0. And the vice president nomination was Diana Reed, and that
1: was also approved 6-0. And, and those are two of the three returning incumbents? Yes. Right. Can um, I ask
0: again about the procedures? Is the mayor nominated? Yes. So is, is there? there, is just the mayor automatically nominates this, and it seems like it's almost a... A, a done deal. Well, the well, council can say council no. Council can like say it. no. Right. right.
2: Council. But the uh, mayor comes up with this. And, right. The mayor's appointing it. his team, essentially, is what this is mostly about. Yes.
1: And we should comment that um, George Douglas is a Republican, as is the mayor, but Diana Reed is not. She's right. a Democrat. Correct. Yes. Um, then
2: uh, at that point, George Douglas uh, took over kind of like running the meeting as president, and he makes assignments, uh, council assignments, and uh, these are liaisons to uh, various functions in the city. And I'm just going to read real quick what a liaison is so everyone knows uh, why they might want to contact the people I'm going to mention here. Liaison is defined as a member of the Common Council that is appointed by the Council to serve as a contact between the Council and a specific Board, Commission, Committee, or Department of the City. Liaison shall communicate with a specific Board, Commission, Committee, and or Department as a liaison deems necessary. Liaison shall provide reports to the Common Council on at least a quarterly basis concerning to the activities of the board, commission, or committee, uh, for which they are the liaison. So, uh, again, this is uh, what happens every uh, um, time uh, uh, people are uh, a new board is seated, and these are annual appointments. So every year, this will occur over this next four-year term. So the liaison for the school board is Diana Reed and Jack Papello for the parks department is Casey Schmidt for utilities and engineering and code enforcement is Robert Cotton for public safety is Jack Papello
1: and for public works is Casey Schmidt before you go on can do you have any understanding as to how these appointments were made uh, first of all are there plum appointments are there ones that are preferable to others are there uh, dog patchy appointments? Okay. Uh, and uh, do you know, were, were the members polled to see what well, you know, department if, they wanted to be on. Okay, here's well, the, the, what, the
0: president came out. I mean, the mayor came out essentially and nominated George Douglas, and it looks looks as if George Douglas already had these appointments made. So he already knew he was going to be president okay. or uh, you know, of the
2: council. So okay. these
0: things were all decided in advance. And Probably asking, they
2: have a good. They, yeah, I don't know about. Again, this is all <clears> behind. This is not at the council meeting. You're asking me a question about what's not at the council meeting, but I will say this. From the context of the discussion, from the context of the discussion, um, what was mentioned by George was that in caucus that this is where these decisions were made, whatever that means. I do not know who's in the caucus, whether it's a Republican caucus, whether it's a council caucus. Don't know. But there's... There. That's the only thing that I heard, and I have no understanding of what the mechanism is related to that word. But there is some sort of caucus, and it seems like this came out of that, yeah.
0: Larry. Well, it is, yeah. There's everything is done in the in in the shadows someplace, where not in the public eye. And you come to the meeting, and all they do is. Is announce what they've done other places. So the so the the city council becomes sort of a a drama presentation of of what has already been decided. I'd
2: I'd push back a little bit in that I would, if there was um, an issue amongst any of the councilmen, I I would expect as a citizen for them to speak up. The one comment that was made actually. Uh, by Robert Cotton was was there some traditional uh, method by which uh, a selection of say the president of the council was made was in the in the past history of Valparaiso was it the the senior member of the council that remained or were there things like that and there's nothing that it it appears that there's nothing written whether there was some tradition that wasn't really decided. I don't know whether there is or not. But that was the only comment. But I would expect that if any councilman w- had a major issue with this, I maybe they would bring it up, maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. It is politics. I don't know. Was is there you, an indication that Bob Cotton
0: would be up one of these people and it was included in the caucus? I, don't know. Is, you know, I have no
1: idea. I think idea the what caucus, a caucus consists is. of five Republicans. It may be. Because From what I have heard and this is pretty shaky information there are meetings that are um, uh, all Republican or all Democrat Mm -hmm. where issues are decided and very much like our Congress today the majority party yeah
2: has the power so what I'll do is like I said I get good responses from people I will uh, email George who made these appointments? I'll get an answer to that question mm-hmm. of what exactly is the, you know, the uh, the, the process by which this goes through. Cut. But, you know, it's like the president appointing his cabinet. I remember now. Yeah. I know you get consent on that, but uh, they are just trying yeah. to establish their team, I guess.
0: Right. Because in reading your report, I, I had the sense that, in over 40 years at Valparaiso University, I ever I never really attended a meeting. It was always administrative announcements, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. And so rare did you ever have a meeting, and it sort of sounded like that. Mm-hmm. This was a sort of a, yeah. not some kind of public forum, right. but it was. Yeah, it's definitely a, not. Administrative public, announcements. Tell you
2: that, <laughs> but that's uh, I will get a, uh, kind of a little and, more. And detail that, on I'm not being critical of that, right?
0: I'm just being that's an observation, and, right? Uh, if people know more, and you're listening out there hey let us know yeah (laughs) and that that,
2: you know that is a good point Uh, that is the reason I list the names on here you're going to get to know the people that I just listed and you know if if for any reason that you have a concern like like one of the important ones obviously is the liaison to the school board I would think we have a lot of kids in the city and the the parents are concerned and one of the issues that came up here does relate to the (coughs) school board And and Diana Reid did uh, answer to that, Uh, but I'm just saying, so there's a couple of important ones that people might want to uh,
1: understand. Uh, Interestingly, the Redevelopment Commission, which has access to a large amount of tax revenue, went to uh, the two at-large candidates, one of whom is kind of a seasoned, community member and Mm -hmm. one who's a very and he's
0: been on the council has.
2: and the other is the mayor's former mayor's son right yeah so what Paul's talking about is so those were the liaisons here are the assignments to actual commission positions Uh, and again these are annual terms they will be appointed every year Uh, the redevelopment Commission is George Douglas and Evan Costas traffic and safety Commission is Jack Papello Uh, shared ethics Commission is Peter Anderson Economic Development Commission is Tim Warner, and Investigation and Reconciliation Committee is Mike Baird. Uh, those two last gentlemen, I'm—I don't know who they are. And Baird uh, was a councilman really before. Yeah, I'm not, they're just Tim not Warner. I can't council people. Yeah. yeah, he's a former councilman. And then for four-year terms, uh, to the Fire Territory uh, is Diana Reed. The Planning Commission is Peter Anderson, and the Board of Zoning Appeals is Mike Micah. Uh, and, the other, and the other category comment is that on the Valparaiso School Board, which is a four-year term, uh, I take this to mean that Paul Knopf's uh, term is ending this June. So just a, a heads up to people out there that we do have one member whose term is ending June 30th, 2020.
1: Uh, Larry, question for you. Of those uh, appointments, uh, development, traffic, ethics, which I know nothing about, economic development, investigation, fire planning, and border zoning appeals which are which are the powerful ones
0: redevelopment I mean as you point out already that's where the money is Um, redevelopment yeah but I think also we can't ignore the Board of Zoning Appeals (laughs) yes okay in terms of also the Planning Commission I would say too because out of that Planning Commission I think all these some of the resolutions you're going to talk about later are the ones that are being held up as a result of uh, changes that some people want and apparently some people don't want so
1: yeah and, and what what do we know about the ethics commission? Anything? Uh, I'll bring that
2: the next time. I have that. Okay. I didn't bring it with me because okay. I did look that one up because of uh, kind of the importance of the, the nature of those words. I can so say a yes. little bit
0: about that because you know this goes back a long, long ways. Where uh, Bill Oding asked the research center to do some surveys with the, with the people in ethics, and that. We did that, so they did a lot of groundwork on their ethics things, and, act- and a- after they did those surveys, they had other things that were done too, but they set a good foundation for trying to understand what people thought were ethical and not ethical, ethical kinds of things. So it was a long history, I think, in developing that uh, shared ethics commission.
2: Yeah, and what I saw from what I remember and uh, what I have looked up, it is community members are part of that ethics committee. Yep. It's just not elected officials it is people from the community uh and and they're doing the kind of things that uh you know larry's talking about yeah the
0: university has one representative i think um, other institutions do as well so
2: yeah oh here's here it is right here Um, the mission of the city valparaiso Ethics commission is to uphold the highest standards of integrity in city government uh the members uh, like I said, they range, I won't go through this this time, we'll get on with the thing, but like I said, it's uh, a member from Porter Hospital, from Pratt Industries, from the Chamber of Commerce, and Bill Oding was the uh, city ethics officer, so maybe Mike Jensen's going to be that, I don't know. but So that's kind of the, the framework of, of what makes it up. Okay. Um, so, that's, that's kind of setting up uh, the, the council. Uh, the budget this year is, uh, if I remember right, and I'll get into this more in other uh, sessions or other shows, but I believe it ended up at $36.1 million. Um, and, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll get into that as, as the year goes on as we touch upon various activities of the departments. Okay, as far as the agenda goes, the one item that was not on the agenda was one that was held over from last year and was not discussed at all. But it's still hanging out. This this ordinance 30 from 2019, the amendment to Article 11 of the Unified Development Ordinance. So that's still uh, working through, I guess, for community uh, comment from uh, some of the stakeholders, and that's still that was not brought up at the meeting. At the meeting. Uh, there were two new resolutions presented and one new ordinance. Um, just as a uh, uh, point of education, is, uh, a just, uh, the definition of a re- resolution is a statement of policy by the governing body or an order by the governing body that a specific action be taken. Uh, a resolution can be presented and approved the the same night. There's no uh, uh, more that needs to be done there. If if people would speak up and have some problem, they depending on what the issues were, they could table it. But there's no requirement on ordinances. Uh, It's different. It gets into what we discussed before where you have a first reading, subsequent meeting, you have a second reading, council discussion, a public hearing, and then a vote. So an ordinance is an act adopted by the municipal governing body having effect only within the jurisdiction of the municipal government. An ordinance is a municipal law that often imposes a sanction for violation. So that's a more, you know, that has more meat to it as far as. Uh, actions that are going to be uh, taken by the government. So we had two resolutions this time. Um, uh, resolution one for 2020 was a resolution transferring funds to the Rainy Day Fund. Uh, this permits the transfer of fund from the general fund to the Rainy Day Fund. Uh, and it, it originates, given the general fund of the city of valparaiso has unspent appropriations for 2019 in the amount of 1.1 million and had an unobligated and unappropriated operating balance exceeding 1.5 million the council approves a transfer of $100,000 to the from the general fund to the rainy day fund that moves that fund it's uh, over it's like four I'd have to look at it. It's, it's over $4 million right now. That's the rainy day fund, which is kind of the safety valve for things that could happen that keeps our uh, budgets, in a sense, balanced and our cash flow positive.
0: What What accounts for the fact that they had $1.5 million left over in the operating budget? Is that good management? Yes. That intention, I, I, intentional? I, I, yes.
2: I judge that to be good manager. Now, again, I've only started looking into these accounts and gaining an understanding, but my judgment right now is that's only about a 2 to 3% yeah. uh, swing on the appropriations amount, budgeted amounts, which is, you know, with with the amount of money, the, I said the budget was $36.1 million. The actual cash flow, excluding utilities that's happening is over 40 million because there's various projects going on, you're expecting money for grant money from uh, the state or the federal government, you you expect to hire people, you expect this, that. So there's, there's various things that are happening and to be within 2%, 2 3% of the budget you you want it. And that's the reason, yeah, you have that much left over but they're only moving 100,000 to this rainy day fund and then this hundred, uh, the 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 other million does not accumulate then. It's not like somebody's, it, it'll be washed out in the, as this 2020 budget goes on and they look at it again, you could end up in the same position or you might have no money because you have obligations coming up that you don't know. You know, we're still in the middle of projects. It's just that 2019 ended and you've got to clean up your books. So this says, hey, we're looking at it. This is where we are. We think we got a hundred thousand, and that's why you make this resolution. I'm telling the public, I'm moving a hundred thousand in, and also education to how much is in there. So that's a good thing. Uh, so that passed uh, by a council vote of seven to nothing. The other resolution has to do with the same kind of thing. Is that it's the authority for the clerk treasurer to make temporary interfund loans. In anticipation of taxes to be received from that rainy day fund, that uh, gives uh, the city clerk authorization to so that we don't end up having to borrow money unexpectedly to pay a bill. Because we have this rainy day fund, we're going to take some of the funds, loan it to somebody that has to pay a bill, and as soon as the tax money comes in into that account, it comes back to the rainy day fund. So it's a way of avoiding loan interest, which is, again, a good thing and another function of that rainy day fund. And do
1: you suppose that has to be uh, resolved Uh, yearly? I mean, couldn't that be simply a policy that does not have to come up as a resolution every year? Uh, I think uh, there there are
2: some strict rules about how government and transparency works. So I think all this is just routine. Got it. That uh, they want to make sure that they've announced we got a rainy day every year because you might have new citizens come in and they never heard it. Got it. Okay, the next thing were, was the ordinance. Uh, ordinance 1 for 2020 and first reading and the Public hearing will be at the next meeting on the 27th. Um, this is appropriating funds for the unsafe building fund. This is the fund that handles the demolition of structures that are determined by the city to be unsafe and for which they issue a demolition order which is a legal process uh, that uh, goes through several steps. It's not like the city comes through and just says we're demolishing your building. There's Uh, processes to go through. Uh, This one uh, uh, is for funding it for this coming year at the level of $86,860. That's the appropriate amount for the demolition work uh, that is uh, perceived to have to be done. Um, The one uh, structure that is in process right now is going back to Last, I think it was July, uh, August or July, the 502 Union Street. uh, That is in the process of determining of what's going to happen to that. The city, based on its initial health inspection uh, and exterior inspection, deemed that to, uh, gave an order to vacate, so five families were evicted from that home. It's empty now, and the windows boarded up. Uh, And they also issued an order for demolition. And what then the process is, a hearing is held, and that hearing was held in um, September. And it was uh, the owner of the property presented their case. Uh, It appears from what is written up in the public record is that he's interested in selling it, but the catch is he can't sell it with the with the liens on it from uh, the order to vacate and the uh, order to demolish. So he's in the process of describing to the city what improvements he's gonna make. The city is keeping these orders on and until they resolve, right now they're in discussion of getting an internal inspection. There's some discussion over the owner. Uh, The owner has some rights not to allow the city in by a state law that I won't go into but that's another problem uh, but anyway uh, so that's where they are They're in negotiation on now mm-hmm. what happens with that but that would be one that if it does come to demolition uh, this account is what is used
1: just a quick anecdote um, that building is a block from my office I drive by it every day there was a huge dumpster place there and filled to overflowing and hauled away and then there was a large pile of debris left in the yard that debris was there for two to three months, and out of frustration because there are neighbors and kids, I took a picture of it, and I emailed it to Bob Cotton. He, he called me that night and said he passed it on to the city attorney. The next day, I got an email from the city attorney saying, this is what's going to happen, and two days later that a city truck showed up and picked up all that debris. Mm -hmm. And I'm only saying that not to stroke anybody except to say, squeak a little bit. Yes. Um, We have a city government, and they should respond to our needs. And in this particular case, they did. Right.
2: Uh, I just looked up just real quick some of the other uh, um, buildings that were – in this kind of activity last year uh, one was at 354 Haas street i went by some of these that has been demolished i believe uh what is erected there is a is a, is a nice home right now um the other was uh 1005 kentucky street i believe there w- there was a request to dismiss that one and i that was seemingly approved and to two others was 156 Institute uh, and 756 Franklin Uh, again these are in various process they were mentioned under uh, uh, in that process with regard to the unsafe
1: I believe Institute was demolished
2: yeah I didn't see it I couldn't find it so I imagine it was okay so that's that's what's the ordinance then the meeting uh, is open. Uh, for citizen questions the first <clears throat> citizen asked the council uh, On the procedure for a citizen to propose resolution and ordinance for consideration by the council The mayor informed her that the process is handled to the mayor's office, and she should contact his office um, I'm not sure what procedures are available for citizens actually to do that, but he's giving uh you know her a contact person to try to uh uh you know explore what what her what the issues may be and what she would like to do so that was good
0: this relates again to bob cotton's concern about the control of the agenda and how the agenda is controlled and here you have a person from the public who wants to talk about something and mm-hmm. you have you have a long channel right. to go through and again it goes through the mayor's office, and if he doesn't want to do it on, or then it then it takes somebody on the council. Right. What
1: two or three people on the council? Two people. The point is, you cannot go directly to your council person. Right. That is uh, a process whereby uh, the power of the agenda can be overridden, but it's not an automatic thing. Yeah. So it's right. not anybody can put it on the uh, put something on the agenda. Now you have to go through the mayor's right. office to do it. The
2: I'm I'm starting the, my journey of, of looking at the governance uh, with regard to the city. I mean, it's it's governed by Indiana state law, uh, and Indiana code for which they sign up, uh, and then the city can can vary from it somewhat, and then they have a set of what they're uh, what they have agreed to. So that's all in place and. That's one of the issues that, uh, like you said, would be coming up. The second citizen requested an update of the council uh, regarding details leading to the decision by Parkview School to eliminate the dual language immersion pilot program. And what support and involvement will the council have with providing dual language immersion programs in the future? Uh, This is where the liaison jumped in on her first night, Diana Reed. Spoke to her efforts, requesting information from the school and the school board to provide clarity to the specific actions by Parkview. Uh, Councilperson Reed indicated the future of dual language programs would be handled, however, by the school board.
1: And I believe that meeting is this coming Thursday, Thursday.
2: at six o'clock,
1: and
0: at
2: Cooks Corner Elementary School, thank which you. is three fifty-eight Bullseye
0: Lake Road. If you don't know,
2: yeah. And, and really this, from um, I'm not an expert on this one. I've only seen some of the, the, the articles in the paper. Really, I think what upset the parents is the way, uh, well, they didn't like the program being eliminated. I mean, their kids are involved in it. But beyond that, it was the way in which it was communicated to them and the level and confusion around it. So uh, it just is probably uh, something that, as we look at the process here Uh, to, to be better at communicating some school issues through the school board and curriculum director in the future.
0: School boards had specific uh, participatory rules, so if you want to speak at that meeting, make sure you get there early and sign up, basically, to do that talking if you want to do that. So this has been ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Bossman here at Paul Schreiner and Jack Ballantyne. We've talked about what happened at the last city council meeting. We talked that uh, Jack brought us up to date considerably on Martin Luther King. Um, issues and so I want to thank everybody and thank Paul, thank Jack and thanks for listening and we'll see you in, in two weeks